Welcome to Medic's podcast, our MRCS revision series. My name's Manal Ahmed and I'm a vascular trainee. And I'm Matthias Fahavari, a general surgical registrar. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, make sure to subscribe to us here on Spotify. And also follow us on Twitter at Medex Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, you can always support our channel on Patreon, the link for which is provided below. And keep in mind that this is used 100% to run the podcast and help us to deliver high quality content for you guys. And remember, you can always send us feedback on Twitter and we would love to hear from you all. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about thyroid disease. This is Mana's favorite, so she's going to do most of the talking today. Awesome. So let's start with the physiology. So the physiology of the thyroid is controlled by the hypothalamic pituitary axis. And this is something that we will be coming across several times during the course of this topic. It starts off with the hypothalamus, which produces something called thyrotropin-releasing hormone. And once this is secreted, it then causes the anterior pituitary to secrete thyroid-stimulating hormone, also known as TSH. Now, once it does this, the thyroid gland then starts to release something called T4, also known as thyroxine. And this thyroxine goes to the peripheral tissues, um, in primarily in the liver and the muscles, where it's then converted into triiodothyronine, which is the active form, but also into um, like the inactive form called T3. And this is done by the deiodinase enzymes. Okay, so hypothalamus produces TRH, anterior pituitary is stimulated by TRH to release TSH, which then stimulates the thyroid gland to release T4 and T3. That's correct. And so once there is enough T3 and T4 circulating in the body, it then sends a negative feedback signal back to the anterior pituitary and turn to the hypothalamus to stop the release of TRH and TSH. Okay, that's logical. Yeah, and this is what maintains a normal level of, of the thyroid hormones that we'll be talking about. Okay, and this is called the... Hypothalamic uh, pituitary axis, but okay. in this particular mechanism is known as the negative feedback loop. Okay, so when you get a thyroid function results into your hands, you will see three free hormones there. TSH, 3T4 and 3T3. As we mentioned already, T4 is the more important one as this is released uh, in a much larger proportion than T3 by the thyroid gland. The proportion is about, the ratio is about 20 to 1, so 20 times as much T4 is being released. Now, based on these three hormones, you are able to tell whether the patient is hypo or hypothyroid. Do you want to take us through this, Manal? How is this work and how can you diagnose hypo and hypothyroidism? Yeah, absolutely. So as Matthias has just said, um, you've got three parameters called the TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone, uh, T4 and T3. Now, the free T4 uh, are, is, is actually more relevant than the T3 mm-hmm. as it gives a better idea or indication of what the levels are. Mm-hmm. So when we're checking a patient's TFT levels, we look at these three. Now, in primary diseases, so 
whether it's hypo or hyperthyroidism, it tends to be, you know, the problem is mainly within the thyroid gland itself. That's why it's primary. Primary, yeah. Okay. And then when it comes to secondary or central causes, mm -hmm. the underlying disease is within, say, the pituitary or, you know, not the primary organ, essentially. So there's the hypothalamic pituitary axis that we were talking about. So there's a problem there that's central, the problem is in thyroid gland, that's primary. Yeah. Right, so in primary hypothyroidism, as in low levels of thyroid levels, um, you will find that the T4 is reduced, but the TSH is increased as it tries to get the thyroid gland to produce more mm -hmm. thyroid hormones. Conversely, in primary hyperthyroidism, or when there's an excess of thyroid hormones, um, there's a lot of free T4 and T3 circulating, but there's lower levels of TSH. And the reason for that is because with so much circulated in within the body, it feeds back to say that, you know, all this is not required. However, um, the gland itself continues to produce excess amounts. So the negative feedback loop is working very well. Absolutely. How about the central hypo and hypothyroidism? So in central hypo or hypothyroidism, um, the primary cause or the main underlying disease is, say, within the pituitary gland. Mm -hmm. And as we know from our HPA axis, the anterior pituitary releases TSH. Now, when this is affected, we find if the cause is, you know, if it's causing hypothyroidism, it's not going to be releasing an awful lot of TSH. Mm -hmm. And in return, the thyroid gland is then no longer able to produce the required amount of thyroid hormones. It's not stimulated, right? Yes, absolutely. And then the same thing when we apply it the other way around, which is central or like pituitary, you know, hyperthyroidism, mm -hmm. um, we find that the TSH levels are increased because the pituitary is creating so much of the TSH. Pouring out the TSH. Yeah, absolutely. And in turn, it's causing a lot of thyroid hormones to be released. But mm -hmm. the negative feedback loop here is just not working because regardless right. of what happens, the pituitary continues to produce a lot. And we find this occurring in patients who have pituitary uh, tumors or supracellar tumors. Uh -huh. Okay, interesting. So feedback loop problems are central and primary. Gland problems are primary. Uh, hypohypothyroidism. Yes, there's also a third subclassification that we'll briefly touch on. Okay. And this is with subclinical hypo or hyperthyroidism. Mm -hmm. These ones are a little bit tricky to diagnose because it could be at the start of a treatment or mm -hmm. it could be, you know, where it's just under, under the sort of radar. Um, and what happens is, is that the TSH level is increased, but the T4 levels are normal. And this is something we see in subclinical hypo hypothyroidism. When it comes to subclinical hyperthyroidism then, we find that again the T4, T3 levels are pretty much normal, but the TSH levels are reduced. Okay, how about the thyroid antibodies? Since it's your favorite topic, you talk us through this. Sure, so there are three main thyroid antibodies that we need to know about. The first ones are the antithyroglobulin or anti-TG antibodies. Mm -hmm. And these are directed against a particular uh, storage uh, thyroid protein called thyroglobulin. Okay, so anti-TG, anti-thyroglobulin. Yes, and we find that these are present in about 80 to 90% of patients who have autoimmune th thyroiditis, okay. also known as Hashimoto's. Yeah, we'll talk about this in the clinical section in a minute. How about the other two? 
So the second one is antithyroperoxidase antibodies, also known as anti-TPO uh, mm -hmm. antibodies. And these are directed against a thyroid hormone um, called thyroperoxidase. Okay. Now, antithyroperoxidase enzymes are also present in quite a large number of patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Okay, so autoimmune thyroiditis, anti-TJ, and TPO. How about the third one? The last one then that we need to mention is anti-TSH antibodies. Mm -hmm. Now, as the name suggests, these are antibodies that are directed against the TSH receptors. Okay. Um, and they essentially stop the receptors on the thyroid follicular cells. Mm -hmm. These are commonly found in Graves' disease. So let's talk about the anatomy of the thyroid gland because it's very important again to understand how thyroid gland can dysfunction and what sort of uh, pathology you can encounter here. Mm. So thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped organ composed of a left and a right lobe. Well, the two lobes are connected together with a tissue band called the isthmus. The whole thyroid gland normally is about 5 cm long and 3 cm wide. However, the size of the gland increases in pregnancy and genuinely bigger in women than in men. Behind the thyroid gland, you find the carotid arteries, the trachea, the larynx, the lower pharynx, the esophagus, and loads of other structures as well. In this region, the current laryngeal nerve runs as well, which is very important. Yes. And the final, when we talk about that, why it's important in the clinical section, and the final relation of the thyroid gland is to the parathyroid glands. There are four of them located in each pole, superior, inferior, left and right pole of the thyroid gland. Awesome. So talk us through the blood supply of the uh, thyroid gland, please. So the thyroid gland's arterial blood supplies that come from the superior thyroid artery, which is a branch of the external carotid artery, and from the inferior thyroid artery, which is a branch of the thyroid cervical trunk, which is a branch of the subclavian artery. So superior and inferior thyroid artery from the external carotid and from the thyroid cervical trunk. The venous blood, however, drained in a different way. The superior, middle and inferior thyroid veins. The superior and middle thyroid veins drains into the internal jugular vein, whilst the inferior thyroid veins drains into the brachiocephalic vein. The lymphatic drainage is also important. The thyroid gland gives lymphatic channels to the prelaryngeal, pretracheal, and paratracheal lymph nodes. And this becomes very important when we will discuss later on about um, malignancies. Yeah. yeah, so malignancies and how malignancies lymphatic spread occurs in patients with thyroid cancer. Now, the microanatomy is really strongly uh, complements the physiology. And it often comes up on the exam as well, actually, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. This is important. Yeah. This is very important. And I think it's because it has such huge relevance to physiology and pathophysiology. Yes. So there are three primary features, the follicles, the follicular cells, and the perifollicular cells, or also called C-cells. So the follicles are small spherical groupings of cells containing a central or core colloid. Colloid is 
mostly consist of thyroid hormone precursor proteins, also called thyroglobulin. Follicular cells surrounding this core, and follicular cells are stimulated by the TSH, and these cells are secreting T3 and T4 by transporting the thyroglobulin from the colloid. Parafollicular cells, or C cells, are entirely different cells, and these cells are responsible for secreting calcitonin. That's why they're called C cells. But let's move on to thyroid disease because this is very important for surgical practice. So what's the clinical picture like in thyroid disease? How do these patients present? So the most common presentation is often a neck lump. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, you know, patients will not have any other symptoms other than this, you know, in the clinical setting or in, um, in, in the outpatient setting as well. Okay. As the lump gets bigger, um, it can cause compression around surrounding organs. Mm-hmm. And this can include, you know, compression on the recurrent laryngeal nerve, mm-hmm. which causes hoarseness. Now, if it compresses significantly, it can also um, impinge on the superior laryngeal nerve, right. which causes a slightly different change in voice or hoarseness as you get this loss of higher pitched sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing we can see is dysphagia or difficulty in swallowing or pain in swallowing. Okay, so that's because the esophagus lies immediately behind the thyroid gland, as we said before. Yeah, absolutely. It's posterior to it, like you said. Okay, so what about lymphadenopathy? You do get lymphadenopathy with malignant thyroid disease, usually. Uh, It's important, and I think we just started to talk about a disease that's Mm. malignant, to to clarify one thing, because there's quite a lot of confusion I see throughout uh, my colleagues and uh, even like quite senior registrars mix that up. Lymphadenopathy or lymphatic spread means that the, there is cancerous cells within the lymphatic drainage of that organ. Lymphatic metastasis or distant metastasis counts as M1 on cancer staging is when you find cancer outside of the normal lymphatic channels and normal lymphatic roots. Mm -hmm. So let's say in a thyroid condition, if there is cancer cells within the paratracheal lymph nodes, that's just N1, a lymphatic uh, lymphadenopathy or lymphatic spread. If you have a fine thyroid cancer in a groin lymph node, that would count as a metastasis, as a distant metastasis, and would count as an M1. And that's, that's actually quite interesting. So if it's localized or if it's within the field of yeah. that organ, it's, it's not metastases. No. However, if you find the lymph node is enlarged further away as an outside yeah. of the normal lymphatic channels field, then it is a metastasis. Yes, and that's true for every cancer, not just for thyroid, but for esophageal and, and every other cancer. Because I think there's a the nomenclature here is quite confusing and people talk about lymphatic metastasis. Mm-hmm. And as I said, if it's localized, as you said, yeah. within the own channel, that's not metastasis, that's okay. just lymphatic spread. Okay, that's really interesting. So this leads on quite nicely uh, to the classifications of thyroid disease. Yeah, so it can be, as we said, benign or malignant and thyroid nodules or lumps can be primary or secondary. I must say secondaries are super, super uncommon. Primaries are not that uncommon. It's a very frequent presentation, neck lump, thyroid lump. So when you have a patient in your clinic 
Presenting with a neck clump, you ideally would like to perform a triple assessment. Triple assessments are made up from three things. History and examination is one, an ultrasound scan, and a fine needle aspiration. Now, when we were preparing for this session, we were talking about FNAs, and Mona said when she said the MRCS, it wasn't high yield at all. No. No, it wasn't. But I think when you did it, it was it was quite commonly asked, isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. So I remember sitting a course and we had to perform an FNA uh, with a needle and a syringe and on an apple. And then in the next step, they gave us an FNA report. So for that reason, I can imagine that this may make it back to MRCS at yeah, some point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like there are trends that sort of wax and wane, so it's it's quite possible. But uh, to summarize, hmm. triple assessment comprises of three modalities. Yeah. The first is history and exam. Yeah. The second is an ultrasound, which is the imaging modality of yeah. choice. Looking for suspicious features, calcification, vascularity, suspicious lymph nodes, and so on. Yeah. And the last one is a fine needle aspiration to get some cytology as well. Yes, exactly. Okay. So when you get your cytology report back... There are six things you can find on a cytology report, and it's based on some kind of criteria. I think it's the Bethesda criteria, is that right? That's correct. It's the Bethesda criteria. So these six things are, you can either have a non-diagnostic or an unsatisfactory sample. That's as Bethesda zero. And then you can have stage one, two, three, four, five, or also called a STHI one, two, three, four, five. Yes, yeah. One stands for definitely benign, in which case you just probably want to do a clinical follow-up with repeated triple assessment in six months to a year. You can have a TPR or follicular cells of undetermined significance. That's very important because in these cases you have to repeat the FNA there and then. It can come back as follicular neoplasm, in which case you cannot reliably rule out cancer Hence, you need to do a surgical lobectomy to get proper, reliable diagnosis. And we say when we say lobectomy, you mean like hemithyroidectomy? Yes. yes. Yeah. Not not lobe somewhere else. No, not no, lung. No, 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 no. no, no, no. We do, yeah, we just thought we'd clarify that. <laughs> we take out one side, obviously the affected yes. side of the thyroid, and send it for proper histological assessment. Your Reports can also say that what you found is suspicious for malignancy. Now, in these cases, you either want to do, again, a hemithyroidectomy or one-sided lobectomy or a complete total thyroidectomy based on how suspicious it is. So in patients where you get a suspicious ultrasound and an FNA, you probably want to perform a total thyroidectomy. Now, the last result of, of an FNA can be definitely malignant, in which case you perform a subtotal or total thyroidectomy. Okay, so you've got to confirm malignancy on your ultrasound scan. What is the next investigation? What are you going to do? Well, it really depends on what the TNM staging is. Mm -hmm. And TNM stands for Tumor, Node and Metastases. This is used to stage any thyroid cancer. So the main difference is between T3 and T4, isn't that right? I think it's uh, T1, T2 is one group and T4, T3, T4 is another one. And that is because T1 and T2 uh, cancers, which T represents the local invasion, is confined to the thyroid. While T3 
uh, either a very large tumour or either has breached the thyroid wall, so out in the surrounding tissues. And that will have consequences on your management plan. So for T1 and T2, you do not need to do anything else apart from your ultrasound scan. That is sufficient for staging. However, if you've got a lesion bigger than 4 centimeters, or your report says T3, T4, in that case you may want to do a CT scan or an MRI scan to check for locus spread. Yeah, so the TNM, the nodes then, basically tell us whether the cancer has spread to any nearby lymph nodes mm -hmm. or whether it has not spread to any lymph nodes, especially to, you know, one group or more than one group. Yeah, and then M is everybody's favourite, stands for distant metastasis. Now, one more interesting thing here. What do you think, Mona? Do you want to use a CT scan or an MRI scan for, for staging? So, an MRI scan? Yeah, that's the correct answer. And the reason for it is because for CT staging, you usually use iodinated contrast agents, which interfere with the subsequent scintigraphy uh, that uses iodine 131 or 132. Okay, so you have got your staging, and as we said, T1, T2 disease is staged in an ultrasound scan, whilst T3 and T4 is preferably an MRI or a CT scan. Your next step will be perform your surgery. We already mentioned that you can perform two types of surgery, and this will be the last thing that we discuss here in this podcast, is that you can either do a total or near-total thyroidectomy, or you can do a hemithyroidectomy. The advantages of doing a total thyroidectomy is to remove a potential multifocal disease, which we know is very common in thyroid uh, cancers. Hence, most patients will end up having a total thyroidectomy. Now, obviously, if your FNA came back as suspicious for malignancy, you can potentially get away with doing a hemithyroidectomy in case it turns out not to be malignant, in which case you do not need to do a total thyroidectomy. Now, next podcast, we will be discussing these diseases in a bit more detail. We're going to talk about cancers, their frequency, and also about surgery. So, until then... Keep pushing!